Well, good afternoon and welcome to the Magic Time Podcast. This is our off-season update for the Moncton Magic for August the 27th. I can't believe that I'm saying that. I'm Scott Squires and pleased to be joined in one of the busiest men in the National Basketball League of Canada, Coach Joe Salerno. How you doing, Coach? I'm doing well, Scott. How are you? I'm good. I mean, I've been busy this month, but uh, I don't think I can compete with you considering the uh, the amount of travel that you've had. It's almost like you want to replace the Waldo in Where's Waldo with Where's Coach Salerno. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's been a, certainly it's been a busy uh, past couple of weeks, um, you know, with a couple of recruiting, recruiting trips to uh, Florida and Atlanta. And then, of course, I uh, actually just returned back to Moncton here about 30 minutes ago. I landed at uh, Moncton Airport from, from this weekend's draft in Windsor. So it's been it's been busy, certainly. But I also know, I mean, I saw you had a pretty busy weekend yourself, uh, calling an awful lot of softball games, I think. So I think both of us are, are probably feeling each other's pain a little bit. <laughs> yeah, no question about it. I've been following your exploits, and you're absolutely right. Between uh, baseball and rugby, 72 <laughs> games of play-by-play in the last uh, 18 days. So, yeah, it's been fun. Wow. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Just warming up for the new Moncton Magic season. Well, I mean, it's busy would be the, the, the key term here uh, as far as the offseason has been. It's, it's certainly been a busy offseason with – you know, the last couple of weeks just with a, with an awful lot of trades and, and, uh, and player signings and, of course, the drafts. So, no, it's a uh, lot to talk about. Yeah, so there is lots to talk about. I've got a little list in front of me. I know that you can't see it, but uh, I do. And I guess the first one to kind of talk about was uh, some news a few weeks back, um, a trade. And I think when fans of both the Halifax Hurricanes and the Moncton Magic saw the players involved in that trade, it was kind of one of those, oh, okay, this is something. Uh, of course, Terry Thomas, who was a fixture with the Moncton Magic last year, a big contributor to the team. Uh, his rights were traded to Halifax, to the Hurricanes, and coming back the other way, certainly uh, a very much top performer in the National Basketball League of Canada and somewhat of a, a magic killer at times, Billy White. Uh, both teams have since signed those respective players, Thomas and White. I guess, Coach, uh, how did that come about, and uh, what kind of was the reaction, you know, with with Terry? But what was it like for you to make that trade? Um, I mean, it was it was a difficult decision, um, you know, to to make the decision that that we were going to uh, going to look to move, you know, Terry this this off season. Um, you know, it's something we, we discussed quite a bit. I mean, obviously anytime that you're going to move one of the top five players in the league, um, you know, it's, it's a big decision. And I think obviously by some of the reaction from, from both fan bases, you know, a lot of people felt the same way. I, I think personally having been part of this league for, you know, it's, it's entirety. Uh, I, I believe this was the biggest trade probably that was ever made, uh, in the NBL Canada, uh, in its, in its seven seasons. Um, I couldn't, I can't recall another time where two first team league all-stars were traded for each other, you know, especially in, in the same conference. Um, so obviously it was, it was a big decision. It was a big move. Um, and of course it was, it was difficult, you know, considering the relationship that I've had with Terry, you know, Terry's played for me, uh, the past three seasons. Um, you know, so we, we've grown pretty close. We, we spent a lot of time together and, and we put in a lot of, a lot of kind of sweat and effort together over the last three seasons. So uh, difficult decision, but but again, I think it was the right decision for our team moving forward. I think we got a, a tremendous player, um, you know, in return in, in Billy White, and uh, you know, I was certainly glad that we were able to to move Terry. 
uh, to Halifax, you know, from a personal standpoint, um, you know, being able to, to put him, you know, back in his home city, you know, where he's very well known and respected in the basketball community there. Um, you know, I, I knew, you know, Terry, if there was any other place that, that he probably would have, would have wanted to be, it probably would have been Halifax. So, you know, I was, I took some solace in that. I was, I was, I was pleased, um, you know, that he, he was going to land in a, in a good spot. I'm a lover of sports. And anytime I see what I guess the phrase they use is blockbuster trade, I get excited. My juices get flowing. And it was even more so because of my connection with the team, covering the team. Certainly we'll miss Terry, but having covered the last couple of seasons, the National Basketball League of Canada, I'm really excited uh, that Billy White is coming into the fold and uh, the fans of the Moncton Magic are going to get to see him hit the floor every night doing what he does now for the Moncton Magic. Before we move on and talk about some of the other things, what are two or three key things that Billy White brings to this team that really made him a target for you to bring on board? Well, I mean, in my own opinion, I think Billy has really been the most dominant, you know, kind of low post score big man uh, in the NBL Canada over the last couple of years. He certainly has been one of them. I think, uh, you know, him and, and probably Royce White have, have kind of been the, the cream of the crop when you're talking about, you know, interior scores. Uh, this was a, a big hole of ours for probably the first three quarters of the season last year. Um, you know, obviously before we brought in Juan Batillo. Um, so, you know, it, to be able to kind of fill that hole right out of the gate with a, with a proven player, with a first-team league all-star uh, in Billy White, you know, someone that you know is going to be able to, to give you production uh, on the inside, it's just a, a huge kind of, kind of relief, to be honest with you. You know, you know you're just very solid at that four, kind of four-five position. Um, so he, he's going to bring an awful lot to the table uh, for the Magic this season. Now, the last time we spoke, uh, an exciting move by the Moncton Magic, bringing in Jahi Carson, and we talked about him at length and what he's going to bring the team. But not long after that, a player that we haven't had a chance to kind of review and talk about uh, was a signing uh, of a player, uh, 6'10", out of Nebraska, native of Chicago, Illinois, Walter Pitchford. Uh, What was kind of the genesis of uh, him coming uh, to your radar and you getting that deal done? Yeah, Walter, um, you know, it was really just through a, a contact, an agent that I've known for, for a while now, a pretty respected agent that has an awful lot of good players. Um, you know, he reached out to me and, and kind of brought Walter to my attention. Uh, obviously, he had, a, he had a very good career at the University of Nebraska, you know, which is in one of the Power Five conferences, NCAA basketball, uh, competing in the, in the Big Ten. Um, you know, spent some time with, with the Raptors 905 and in the G League as well, and you know, this all happened before the, the Billy White trade took place. So, you know, we were on the prowl for that, you know, talented, you know, bigger athletic, you know, interior presence. And, and Walter is really a guy, he's really more of a, of a stretch four. He's really kind of more of a, of a pick and pop guy, but he can go inside and mix it up as well. You know, at a legit 6'10", 230, um, he certainly could be a force down there. So, he was really kind of the first big that we signed this season, uh, you know, probably behind Denzel Taylor. Um, so just an exciting kind of new free agent. You know, he's a guy every summer you look for, you know, a, a new face to kind of even bring to the league. Um, and I, I think Walter could be a guy who could, could have an impact on the league, you know, just based on, on what he's done in, in you know, previous teams and, and what his skill set is. So I think Walter, um, you know, will be a good fit for us. He's obviously going to be making the, the trip to China with us, so it's going to be great to start getting integrated with, with some of our systems uh, before training camp. So, 
you know, I think I think Walter uh, could be a nice addition to us this season. There's nothing I enjoy more than watching the big men play, and I'm looking forward certainly to seeing the length that uh, Walter Pitchford is going to bring. And I don't know how much uh, sleep you're getting at any point in the day, let alone at night, because the last few weeks has just been like news after news after news. The Jahi Carson signing, Pitchford, we talked about the trade and sign with Billy White. Then, for me anyway, kind of out of nowhere, I see pop up on the Moncton Magic social media, signed Ronaldo Dixon. So another Halifax Hurricane going cross-border to New Brunswick. Uh, how excited were you when you knew that you might be able to get a hold of Ronaldo Dixon? Um, I was excited. I mean, obviously, um, anytime you can you can sign kind of a proven you know Canadian uh, player in this league, especially a six-nine Canadian um, that has experience, he has finals experience, obviously with Halifax over the last couple of years. You know, we were pleased to, to get him. You know, Ronaldo was, was not protected by Halifax, you know, this offseason. So, you know, he's a guy I reached out to pretty early on, um, you know, expressed some, some interest. And, um, you know, he, he really kind of liked some of the pieces that we were starting to put together and felt that this could be an opportunity for him to win the championship uh, this season. So, you know, it was nice to, to get that piece done. And, I mean, you know, you look at where our front court was last year. It was kind of a work in progress most of the season. You know, we had – you know, a strong presence in, in Denzel Taylor, and, you know, as a rookie. But you look at what we have now starting training camp, when you're talking about Billy White and Walter Pitchford and Ronaldo Dixon and Denzel Taylor all under contract, you know, we're just starting at a, a much kind of stronger presence in our front court. So I think Ronaldo was a nice addition. And, and obviously, you know, when the trade happened with Terry, uh, you're losing a, a pretty good Canadian. So, you know, whether it's by – signing another all-star Canadian or, or doing it by committee, um, you know, it was important to get a guy like, like Dixon. And you can trade for a player's rights, and that gives you the right to negotiate with that player. doesn't mean you're going to sign him. That was the case with Doug Herring Jr., who was a member of the championship London Lightning team, and by all accounts, certainly a top player in this league. But you did get him signed. What does he I mean, it might seem obvious, but with all these pieces coming in, where does Doug Herring fit, and what does that mean to the Moncton Magic having Doug Herring Jr. on board? Doug is, is a is a is a really big signing. Um, there's no, you know, I mean, obviously, when you have talented players like, like Jahi Carson and Lee White, Doug Herring, I think, belongs in that conversation as well uh, from a talent perspective and and what he can bring to a team. But you know, I, I look at Doug as really kind of a glue guy. Um, I think he was a guy who certainly kind of, you know, contributed, you know, both in the locker room and obviously on the floor for London over the last couple of years. I think he was a bit of, you know, their glue guy, to be honest with you, in my own opinion. So he's just so unselfish and, and he's so competitive and he just understands how to play the game and he understands what it takes to win. So to, to me, Doug is, is as important of a signing as we've had this, this year. Um, you know, he, he's excited to, to kind of start, you know, a new chapter in, in the NBL and come back over to the Atlantic Division. So, um, yeah, Doug, Doug was, was big. You know, I wasn't sure we were, we were going to be able to, to get that deal done. Um, but, you know, after, after some work and, and quite a few phone calls, um, you know, it all worked out. So, like I said, a very, very big piece and somebody I'm, I'm extremely excited to work with. Uh, I've, I've been close to, to signing Doug 
a few times over over my you know tenure here in the NBL Canada, and it just never quite worked out. So to finally have him under contract and knowing that he'll be uh, in training camp in October is is just uh, it's very very exciting. I'm very excited to to work with Doug Heron this year. Some great pieces returning, some wonderful additions to the team. But your work wasn't done there. We referenced it a couple of weeks ago on the last off-season update that we did that the big uh, NBL Canada draft combine was coming up in Windsor. You just, as you mentioned off the top of the program, you just got back from that. And uh, a big move at the draft. You uh, pulled off a trade with a brand new uh, franchise, the Sudbury Five, uh, as you sent the rights for Juan Patillo and an eighth overall pick in this year's draft to Sudbury for the first overall pick in the draft. And uh, the player that you chose first overall, a 6'2 guard out of McMaster University, native of Toronto, Miles Seward. What was it about Miles that caused you to maybe start working the phones or working the conversations to make that deal to move into that one slot to get that guy? Well, I mean, there, there, was, there was a lot of, you know, kind of moving pieces with that. You know, there's a lot that, that went into to that trade. Um, you know, first and foremost, you know, obviously Juan Patillo is, is, is certainly an asset and, and he's certainly a, a big time player in this league and he did a lot of great things for us, you know, the last quarter of the season and into the playoffs last year. Um, you know, after some of the signings that we had made this year, you know, as well as, you know, we haven't really, we haven't really communicated a whole lot with, with Juan. Um, it just kind of gave me the feeling that, you know, we weren't going to be able to come to terms with him this season uh, from a contractual standpoint. So knowing that and kind of having that, that gut feeling, um, you know, looking to potentially move him for something that, that we could end up getting and a player that we could end up signing was something obviously that was kind of in our back pocket. So, you know, Miles Seward uh, this weekend, you know, we, we knew we wanted to go into the draft and come out, uh, with at least one, you know, very good Canadian or potentially, you know, hopefully the best Canadian at the draft. Um, the, the league actually did something different this year. They actually had a, uh, a private workout for Canadian players on Friday afternoon, um, which was actually, you know, before the pre-draft started on Saturday. And um, myself and, and, and Ray Vadito, who attended the trip with me, has kind of been acting as a bit of a scout for us here this, this offseason. Uh, you know, he caught both of our eyes, um, and, and he certainly kind of followed through on Saturday. And, you know, as of Saturday night, we, we felt he was definitely the best Canadian there at the draft, and, and he was somebody that we certainly kind of targeted. Um, you know, after talking with a lot of different, you know, coaches and, and GMs that were at the draft, you kind of started to get a feeling that, you know, a lot of people might have been interested in Seward. Uh, we didn't feel that he was going to be available at the seventh pick. We, we thought he would probably go before that. So, you know, we decided to pull the trigger and, and, and make the move uh, with Sudbury, you know, moving up to the number one overall pick um, just to kind of solidify that, that we were going to get the guy we wanted, uh, which was which was Miles Seward. And another player from that draft uh, out of Calgary, a six foot seven forward, played for the University of Bridgeport. You took him at uh, number seven, Edward Azamoa. What was it about Edward that uh, – caught your eye and that made you pick him in that seven slot? Um, you know, I mean, we, we went in there again, looking, looking for Canadians. Um, you know, we want to have a strong contingent of Canadian players this year, and we certainly want, you know, more than the league minimum five Canadians in training camp. Um, 
you know, we went in there thinking, listen, can we add another piece to our front court? Can we add a, a, another Canadian? You know, these were, were all things that were, were kind of priorities for us heading into the draft. So to find, you know, Eddie, who, in my opinion, was the second best Canadian at the draft, who also kind of plays a, a bit of the, the four position, um, you know, he was the, definitely the right pick for us at seven. I, I really think, you know, his athleticism is off the charts. He, he's a high riser. He has great length. Um, you know, and he's just a, a really, really smart guy. He's, he's a very sharp guy. I think he speaks three or four different languages. Um, you know, he's just an intelligent, high IQ type basketball player. So, you know, again, checking off a lot of boxes for things that we look for in players, athleticism, length, uh, you know, IQ, all those type things. Um, Eddie just, just fit that mold. And, uh, I was very pleased to get with him at, him at seven. I also thought he might have been off the board uh, by the time it got to seven, but uh, luckily he was there, and uh, and we were able to, to to get him. We'll move off from the draft talk in just a second, but as you're talking about these two players and, and how they kind of caught your eye, it was interesting. This past weekend I was in Bedford um, covering the Baseball Canada 16U Girls Invitational, and one of the games, uh, a – uh, scout by the name of Sam McGallis. She was there uh, in an unofficial capacity in a way, but she was basically scouting for the Canadian National Women's Baseball Team. She used to play on the team. She used to coach with the team. Uh, she's very good friends with Andre Lachance, who's the coach of the women's national team now. And I'm mentioning all this because when she was on the broadcast talking about these players that she was looking at and scouting, in the world of analytics and numbers and, and all of the other things that now seem to go into picking a player or trading for a player or drafting a player, one of the things she talked about, Coach, was just that initial impression that you get from a player, how they carry themselves, how they are on the field, how they are with their teammates, a swag, if you will, not in a cocky way, but in a confident way. And she talked about how that's such an important part, especially when you initially scout a player or see a player or meet a player. Can you kind of pinpoint a couple of things with the two guys that you drafted, Seward and Azamoa, that were kind of that first impression, gut feeling things that that kind of jumped out at you about these two guys? Yeah, absolutely. And and, and I agree with, with an awful lot of what it sounds like she was saying there. Um, you know, for us, character is, is, is a big thing. Um, you know, how, how, how are these players reacting when something doesn't go their way out on the court? You know, how are they communicating with, with the teammates they have, you know, at that time? during the combine, um, you know, how are they reacting when they don't get a call, you know, all those type things we, we look at. Um, but there were certainly a couple of characteristics that stood out really both from both players, you know, that, that caught our attention, you know, first with, with miles, um, miles, miles makes things happen, you know, and, and that was, I think in my mind, the, the best way to, to describe it. He is an extremely confident scorer, um, you know, and, 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 he almost, you know, every once in a while you crawl, you come across a player that you just feel could walk into pretty much any gym anywhere and, and compete with whoever's on the floor. And even if he's not at the same skill level as, as those players, you know, his just kind of fire and his competitive nature is going to take him, him up to their level. And, and that's exactly kind of what I saw with Miles. I mean, don't get me wrong. He's an extremely talented player and a, and a gifted scorer. But he just had this, like you said, kind of swag about him that, you know what, I'm going to show everybody here I am the best player in the gym. 
and, you know, I'm going to work harder than everybody. I'm going to play with more passion than everybody. That's really what, what caught my eye with, with Miles. And, you know, it didn't matter if it was a, a three-on-three drill that they were doing at the Combine or a five-on-five game. You know, he was going at it, and he was in whatever competition he was in to win. And, you know, I mean, you could see that from a mile away uh, with Miles. And, you know, to me, making that big jump from college basketball and, or, you know, the CIS – to the NBL Canada, you need to have some of that confident kind of swag to you, you know, to, to gain respect from other players and, and to show you can compete. So that was a, a big time characteristic for miles. And, and, you know, after speaking with his head coach um, from McMaster yesterday morning, it really kind of confirmed all those thoughts. Just these guys work for everything in his life. And, um, you know, he's going to come in there and, and really kind of, you know, you know, bust his butt for you and, and whatever you ask him to do, he'll run through a wall. And uh, so again, that, that was the things with, with miles and um, you know, with Eddie just, just always in the right place at the right time, <laughs> you know, just always doing the fundamentally sound things, whether it was boxing out or, or showing on a ball screen or, you know, being in a position to, to take a charge, you know, all those type things were, were things that Eddie was doing. And, and he just had a very kind of calm demeanor, calm, confident demeanor to his game and, and what he was doing out there. And, and all that stuff was very attractive, um, you know, in Eddie. And, and you pair that with we were looking for a front court guy and a Canadian, it was kind of a perfect fit. So um, those guys certainly had characteristics that we look for in players. And, and that was a big reason why we decided to watch them throughout the rest of the combine. Now, I know there's um, a couple of things I want to mention or talk about before we wrap up. But before we get there, because I actually put a post uh, in the Moncton Magic fan page, and there is a fan question that I'm going to ask you in a bit, kind of about the overall makeup of the team, what uh, kind of might be some of the bigger differences between last year's squad and this year. But before we get to that, last time we talked, we touched on it a little bit, but one weren't a lot of details because all of those details hadn't really been worked out. Now it has been announced, the Moncton Magic are going to China. Coach, fill us in. Yeah, yeah, we are. We um we were approached um, by a contact of mine in, in China, who's who's pretty well known in, in the basketball world, kind of all over Asia. Um, he's, a, he's a president of a company called Unlimited Sports Management um, that actually approached us about bringing our, our Moncton Magic team uh, to China to play an exhibition schedule. It's kind of a part of a preseason schedule for the CDA, uh, which is the top division in, in China. Um, you know, for, for us, having that type of opportunity to kind of hold a, a bit of a training camp before training camp what was was something we were very intrigued in and very interested in and uh we felt it really could kind of be a tool for us to start kind of meshing in new faces with old faces and, and starting to put in kind of what our systems look like um and just kind of getting an overall familiarity with everybody that will be at our camp in october so when they when they come to training camp, when they arrive in Moncton, they're they're all going to know each other's names. They're going to know each other's game, kind of what to expect from from myself. And uh, we felt it was just a great opportunity to to kind of get a you know a, a leg up, so to speak, uh, on the the 2018-19 season. So certainly, uh, it, it very exciting for us. Um, you know, we're we're going to be taking uh, 14 members of the Magic organization uh, to China. Um, you know, myself, uh, Mitch Rowley will be on the trip as well as John Gonzalez, our, our team physiotherapist. Uh, and then 11 players will also be, uh, attending the, on the trip, uh, with us. 
you know, so it's, uh, it's exciting. It, it's really exciting. And, um, you know, it's a lot of work and, uh, it certainly will be a, a lengthy trip, but, uh, I think it's going to be great for our, our team in the long run. Well, and, and to your point, a number of the players that are making the trip are signed and under contract. So this is almost like a mini camp before training camp. Anything can happen as you know, but looking at the fact that these group, this group is going over, how much of a leg up could this potentially give you in terms of really hitting the ground running and being an even more cohesive unit before the even regular Moncton Magic training camp starts? Yeah, well, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's to be determined, you know, we'll, we'll certainly see, you know, how much of a leg up that actually gives us. And I, I think we'll, we'll find that out early in the, in the regular season, but I, I certainly don't feel it can hurt. I, I certainly don't feel it can, it can hurt us at all. I think it can only help us. Um, you know, the more the guys play with each other, um, you know, the more they understand, you know, how we want to defend actions and, and what we like to do offensively, you know, the sooner they, they get an understanding of that, obviously the, the, the better off we're going to play. So, um, no, I think it's, I think it's great. I think it's going to be a great tool for us. And, you know, again, you, you look at Corey Allman and Denzel Teller and, and actually Anthony Cox will also be on the trip with us, you know, for those guys to interact and, and, and um, you know, play with guys like Yahi and Doug Herring and, and Walter Pitchford, um, all guys that will be attending the trip, you know, I think our returning guys can, can almost start kind of showing them what, what our kind of culture is about and, and, and how we like to do things here with the magic. So they're going to get a fairly clear picture of that before we actually start our official training camp in October. So again, I think it's just a, a really cool opportunity. I, you know, it's the first time any team has ever done anything like this in the NBL Canada. Um, you know, so I'm certainly proud that, that the magic are going to be the, you know, the team to do that. And, um, you know, we're really expecting it to, to be a great trip. So it'll be pretty cool. I mean, Anthony Cox, for those that may not know, uh, used to be a member of the Harlem Globetrotters. So he's kind of familiar, I would say with, traveling internationally and dealing with some of these things. You've been there before, trip over to China. Maybe for some of the players and even uh, the staff that are going over that have never had an experience uh, to go over to China, what would be one or two things that you want to talk to them about first that might be something unexpected that they should be prepared for? And I'm not talking about on the basketball court. I'm just talking <laughs> about the over- Yeah, I'm just talking overall culture here, Coach. What's, the, what's going to be like yeah. the biggest culture shock? Well, I mean, there's going to be, there's going to be a few things for sure. Certainly the things that kind of stuck out the most, uh, you know, on, on my first trip over there where I was actually there with some, some NBL Canada players, kind of a, kind of an all-star team. It wasn't necessarily a, a, a you know, a, a regular season team. Um, you know, number one is, is obviously the food. You know, you, you have to, you have to be willing to, to try new things. Um, you know, you guys are going to be out of their comfort zone. There, there's so many different types of, you know, kind of cuisine over there. And, and, you know, certainly seafood is extremely popular, uh, over in China. Um, that, that's a, a, a big hurdle. It can be a very big hurdle for some of the guys. You know, a lot of the guys, they have certain things they like to eat. They have certain things they like to eat on game day and, and things that they're familiar with. Um, you know, so really having a discussion with them that, Hey, you know, we still have to fuel our bodies properly here and you have to be open to, to trying some new things. Um, that was a, a really big thing for the guys over there. You know, any chance they could, they were, they were trying to find a, a McDonald's, you know, here or there just to get a, you know, a piece of uh, North America. Um, but you know, uh, eventually I, I think they'll come around to it. Um, you know, and the other thing that is just, really kind of a, it's almost overwhelming. Uh, basketball is so huge in Asia. I mean, it is, it is so popular. 
Um, it's very rare that, you know, you'll see, a, you know, a professional basketball team, you know, walking around full of players from, from North America. So you will constantly be stopped everywhere you go. Um, you know, lobbies of hotels, walking on the street, restaurants, airports, and, you know, asked for autographs and people to have their pictures taken with you. Um, you know, if you plan on going for a five minute, you know, walk to the, you know, the store down the street, you're, it's going to take you 30 minutes because you'll be stopped 15 to 20 times to have your picture taken with, with basketball fans. They, they don't know who you are. They don't know who you play for. They just know we're basketball players. And, and I think a lot of times people in China automatically associate that with, with NBA players. Um, so that, that's something that's, that's very interesting and it takes a, a little bit of getting used to and you have to kind of just, you know, take it with a smile and, and understand these are just basketball fans and are excited to see pro players. So, uh, but, it, but it can be overwhelming for sure. Well, it's good that you've got that experience that you can kind of give a little bit of insight before they head over. We're going to move on here in just a second. But as you're talking about the cuisine and the food, I'm thinking, because we've talked before and I know how much you love lasagna. So Chicken parm. Chicken, chicken parm. parm, right, chicken parm. I know yes, that I know that there's probably not a lot of chicken parm in going <laughs> in China. So, having been there before, can you remember a, a particular popular food item that you're actually thinking? I actually enjoy that. I'm looking forward to getting some of that again when I go back over. Boy, um, you know, I, there, there isn't one thing that really sticks out. I mean, I was there for for a little over a month uh, the last time I was there, and. I'm a kind of a foodie. I love trying, you know, new kinds of food and, you know, I'll pretty much try almost anything you put in front of me. Um, so I was constantly trying, you know, different things, you know, all the time. I, one thing I found interesting, you know, at, at um, their, their breakfast, their traditional breakfast, there is much different than what you may find in, in the States. You know, it's, it's pretty rare to find a, you know, a bagel or, you know, even a, a bowl of cereal. Um, you know, they have a, a very kind of spicy, uh, spicy kind of noodle almost. And I'm not sure what it's called, but, but I know it was served everywhere that I went for breakfast and took a liking to that, which was certainly different. It, you know, I don't, I don't have much, you know, pasta or any noodle <laughs> noodles for breakfast normally. <laughs> um, but you know, that was, that was pretty good. And, and I love seafood. You know, I, I'm willing to try almost any kind of seafood at least once. So, you know, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to, to get back over there and, and, and again, maybe try some other foods that I didn't get around to trying the first time you just have to have an open mind. You know, you really have to have an open mind and, and understand this is an experience to, to, you know, appreciate and, and kind of learn about a new culture. Um, so, you know, you have to be willing to, to try new things. Well, it's going to be definitely a, a great trip. Uh, just before we move on, when do you leave? Uh, when do you schedule to, to get there? And do you know approximately when your first actual game will be? Yeah, yeah. So we actually, we're, we're going to be departing on uh, September 8th. Um, you know, which is coming up. It's about, about two weeks, uh, just under two weeks away. Um, we actually, the, the trip is almost kind of split into to two kind of separate parts. Um, we arrive on the, uh, the 8th or it would be the morning of the 9th, and we actually go right into our first game on the evening of the 11th, um, which will be our first first game. Um, uh, it's in the, the city of uh, Ping, Ping Lang, which is in the, the Gansu uh, province. Uh, we're actually going to be playing a, another international team that's also out there uh, competing on a bit of a CVA preseason tour. It's actually a team from from Serbia, uh, the KLS League in in, uh, in Serbia, which is the top division there. So that will certainly be interesting. That that is our first game, uh, which will be held on September 11th. Uh, 
Um, and then we actually play every other day um, for four games. So we're scheduled to play the 11th, 13th, the 15th, and the 17th of September uh, in four different cities. So, you, you know, you're, you're going to play a game. You're going to have the next day is going to be a travel day, and then you'll play a game the following night in a different city. And we then have a, about a four- or five-day break where we'll have some practices and, and whatnot during that time. And then we start another four-game cycle. Uh, playing every other day in a different city. So in total scheduled uh, for the trip. And, um, you know, it's going to be a lot of, a lot of travel in between games. And, but again, that, that's all part of it. It's all part of the experience and it's all part of the, the kind of team bonding, um, you know, that we'll be going through during our time in China. So uh, exciting, really exciting stuff. And I know the guys are certainly excited and uh, looking forward to getting over there and competing against, uh, you know, some, some different types of basketball. Amazing. The uh, Magic Time podcast, first one when you get back from that trip, that's going to be one to talk about for sure. Absolutely. Well, you know, we might even be able to set up a Magic Time podcast while I'm over there. You know, I think that that may be a, a possibility. We'll have to, to chat about that. You know, there's certainly the time difference. I think it's about 11 hours uh, difference from Atlantic time. But but we'll see what we can work out. It certainly would be fun to, to update fans uh, through the podcast while we're there in, in China. Yeah, let's work on that, uh, and, and let's see if we can make that happen for sure. That'd be really cool. It seems that I'm always catching up to you, either just coming from the airport or at the airport anyway, so why not in China? Why not? Yeah, why not? No no big deal. <laughs> now, uh, I got a question there from my broadcast partner, actually, Dave Tingley. Uh, he's got two. I'm going to go with the first one. Now, anyone who's heard these podcasts before may have heard us reference just how good a table tennis player Mitch Rowley is. And Dave's first question is, is this trip to China really just a roundabout way to find Mitch a more competitive table tennis matchup? <laughs> that's, that's a pretty good question. <laughs> you know, I hadn't thought of that, uh, but, but certainly I think some of the, the, the best ping pong players in the world, I think uh, they, they do originate in China. So, you know, Mitch, Mitch may have his work cut out for him. Uh, I, I do recall seeing a few tables over there during my, my last, uh, my last trip. So, you know, I'll be sure to tell Mitch to bring his paddle and, uh, you know, see if we can't get him some, some games over there and see how he stacks up internationally. Careful. They may try to recruit Mitch and make him a citizen and, uh, put him on the Chinese national team. <laughs> He's pretty good. You know, it, it, it wouldn't surprise me. So I'll, I'll remind Mitch, I'll tell him to, to bring his paddle and, and to bring his game. Yeah, yeah, some some Instagram videos too would be good. All right, but Dave did have a serious question, actually. Not that that one wasn't serious, but you know, uh, <laughs> another player that we chatted about on the podcast that we didn't mention on this one. Another addition is Gentry Thomas. So he's into the mix, which comes to this question. Uh, you know, and I referenced it a little while ago in this podcast about you know the kind of the biggest difference between last year's team and and what potentially this year's team will be in terms of overall makeup and identity. Um, Dave says, you know, when the team signed Jahi, um, you and the team talked about playing at a faster pace. Uh, how do you feel that the rest of the roster that have been being added along the last few weeks is going to fit around Jahi and will help reach that goal of playing at a faster pace? Uh, I, I think it's, we're, we're, we're trending in the right direction, uh, to, you know, looking to play that faster pace. I think, you know, spearheaded by, by Jahi and his kind of style of play. Um, you know, I think we've, we've gotten much more athletic um, than we were last season, you know, with the addition of guys like, like Gentry Thomas, 
Um, you know, I, I think our, our draft picks, both those guys are extremely athletic. You know, I think all of our bigs can, can get up and down the floor. You know, obviously Taylor and Billy White and, and, and Walter and, uh, and even Ronaldo Dixon, you know, all those guys can, can get up and, you know, they can hit the glass and get out and be a factor in transition. Um, you know, so I, I think we are still heading in that, that direction um, of looking to play a little bit more of, a, of an up-tempo game. Uh, I think Doug Herring is, is obviously very difficult to defend in transition as well. He's just such a great decision maker. Um, and, you know, I mean, you still have guys like Corey Allman that, you know, we're, we're talking about here. So, um, you know, I think we're, we're, we're on the right track. And I do think you will see a bit more of an up-tempo game. I think when we do slow things down in the half court, we'll have a little more of an emphasis on getting the ball inside. You know, obviously we're going to want, you know, guys like Billy and, and Walter to, to get their touches. And, and I believe they can be true, you know, scoring factors in, in the post. So, you know, I think you might see a little bit of a, of a different tempo. And, and then in the half court, you know, a little bit of a different style where last year we were such a perimeter oriented jump shooting team. Uh, you know, I think this year we've added a couple more guys who can really get to the rim like Jahi and, and Doug Herring and Gentry. Um, yet we still have those shooters like, you know, Miles Seward and, and Corey Allman uh, out on the perimeter. So uh, I think we're heading in the right direction. Well, it's going to be a lot of fun to see the team take shape. I know there's still lots of things to come between now and the October training camp and, of course, the beginning of the regular season. Uh, we're going to end on something fun. Not that this hasn't been fun, but non-basketball-related fun. But before we do that, some news coming out as well, because I know fans especially – have been asking and wondering about the whole situation with the Coliseum, the new event center, where was the team going to be? Some news coming out of uh, Moncton City Council recently uh, that it looks like all signs pointing toward the Moncton Magic having a new home in November. Uh, what can you tell us in terms of what you know to this point and uh, you know, how do you feel about the move? Well, I mean, I think right now, you know, after obviously I think it was, it was made public there with this public city council meeting, uh, you know, last Monday um, that, it, you know, it looks like we, we will be making that move uh, to the downtown event center. Uh, you know, I, I know a lease hasn't been finalized yet. Um, you know, in the team, we haven't formally announced that we will be attending. I think that the lease has to be complete uh, before that happens. But I know it is something that we're uh, we're currently working on with, with SMG and in the downtown event center, um, you know, if that's the way that it goes and it is finalized that, that we are playing there, you know, certainly I think it's, uh, I think, I think it's exciting. I think any time that, you know, um, you're, you're in a new building, you know, probably with, with a lot of new bells and whistles and, and certainly a, what would be a great atmosphere to play in. Uh, that's exciting. It's exciting for players, exciting for fans. Um, you know, and I, I know, like I've said before on this podcast, you know, whatever situation we're in, uh, you know, I, I fully trust that the Magic staff and the management is going to make for the best atmosphere possible. So, um, you know, it, it's starting to come together. You know, I'm, I'm sure that, um, you know, there'll be some kind of formal announcement in, in the coming weeks. And, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm just excited to play. I think wherever we play, we're, we're going to have a, a great team um, this season. I think we're going to have a very exciting team for fans and, um, you know, I just, just kind of want November to, to get here, right? We want November to be here like tomorrow, uh, would be fine with me. So, but, uh, you know, having China to kind of fill that void a little bit and, and kind of get, take care of my competitive juices a little bit, uh, you know, works out well. So, uh, we'll see, we'll see, but I'm, I'm just excited for the, uh, the upcoming season. 
Yeah, it's going to be awesome. And it's like that scene in Hoosiers, right? doesn't matter what gym, what team, what venue. It's still the same distance to the basket from the floor to the rim and all the other dimensions on the floor are the same. Yeah, basket's still 10 feet, free throw line's still 15, right? I mean, that, that's whether you're at, at Crandall University or the Coliseum or the Downtown Event Center. Um, and you know what? You're going to have the same brand of basketball, and, and I think we're going to have the same same support from our great fan base no matter where we're at. So, um, you know, that, that's all. those are all positive things. All right, let's leave off on a golf note. It has oh been announced that – some thought it was a joke at first, but apparently it's real. It's going to be a, a major event produced by Turner Sports on pay-per-view. Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson, November 23rd, $9 million match play event, winner take all. Who you got and why? Well, first of all, I'm, I'm excited for the event. I think it's going to be held on pay-per-view, and I will purchase it on, on pay-per-view. I will watch the event, no doubt. Now, I do think it would be that much more interesting if these guys were putting up their own money. If this was a $9 million bet between the two of them, I think it would be that much more interesting. But there's a lot of pride on the line. Those guys have kind of been, you know, kind of rivals um, for probably going on, what, 15, 20 years now. So I think it's exciting. Um, You know, if you'd asked me last week, I would have said Tiger. Uh, without question, I think he's back on track, and I think he's, uh, you know, he's still, you know, probably the most fearless competitor the golf game has ever seen. So I would have taken Tiger. You know, after his performance this last weekend, I, I don't know. Uh, I'm a little up on the air, in the air. If I had to, if I had to choose one, I'm, I'm going to roll with Tiger. Uh, I've been a Tiger Woods fan for for a long time, and um, you know, every weekend I, I try to catch some of his action and. You know, I just love to see him back on top. And I think getting a head-to-head win over Phil Mickelson, uh, over lefty there for, for nine mil, I think that would uh, that would do a lot for his psyche and confidence. So I'm, I'm Team Tiger all the way. Well, it's going to be interesting. And even though I'm sure at the beginning of it, the lead-up to it, the beginning of it, it'll be kind of like, well, you know, hey, this is fun. We're getting some, you know, notoriety for the game and, and all that other pomp and circumstance around it. But what I'm waiting to see and what I'm looking forward to is if it's getting down to the last few holes and it's really, really tight and it's up in the air, watching these two guys, watching their competitive spirit come out, and I think it would be well worth the pay-per-view because I think it's going to be quite the spectacle. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's a, a really cool idea. I, I, think it's, I think it's great for golf, man. I, I think you know golf is so, has become so popular, and, and with this influx of new players over the last decade, you know, they, there's a whole new demographic that, that watches golf. There's golf fans of, of all ages, you know, all around the world. And I think this is kind of a, a nice little new wrinkle. Um, you know, obviously, I think you said Turner Sports kind of put this together. I think it's I think it's great. I think it's great for the game. And I think fans will, will be excited to see that. And, you know, this is this is kind of like Jordan and Bird, you know, or this is this is Bird and Magic. You know, this is. This is uh, two heavyweights, guys that have headlined, you know, the PGA for the last two decades, you know, going at each other heads up. So I, I'm I'm excited for it. I, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I think uh, more things like this need to happen in the world of sports, not just in golf, but right across the spectrum. Uh, I know as a sports fan, I'm excited. It's it's something different. It's an anomaly. So I'm kind of with you. I I, I I'm kind of leaning uh, Team Tiger here, so maybe we'll have to get a little internal magic pool going again like we did with the NCAA uh, uh, March Madness. 
Yeah, well, we, we got some people. We got some people around the Magic organization that might be interested. In it. I know my guy Scott Jones, uh, you know, the CFO of, of, of the uh, the Magic. He's a he's a big time golfer. Uh, I've actually had the pleasure of playing with him a few times this this summer. And you know, I you know, if I had to guess, though, I feel like he'd go with Lefty. I think he'd go Mickelson for some reason, but. Um, I'm sure he'd be interested, so maybe we can get that going. <laughs> uh, that would be a lot of fun. Well, listen, Coach, uh, we could talk all day, I'm sure. It's never a dull moment when we get a chance to chat. Certainly so many things going on with the Moncton Magic. We appreciate your time again bringing us up to speed. I know there's going to be more news coming down the pipe, and it's really great to be able to uh, have you on this podcast, to be able to share the information and uh, keep everybody up to date, me included. Yeah, no, absolutely will. And as always, Scott, thanks for having me on. And, and I think you forgot to mention, I mean, probably the biggest news out of, out of all of this over the last couple of weeks was, was uh, you announcing that you'll be returning for a second year with the, uh, with the magic. That's, that's big time news that, that, you know, I think that headlines over all the stuff you just chatted about. So I'm certainly excited uh, to hear that and have you back for, for a second year. So, so welcome back. And, um, you know, I know we're all really excited about it. Well, that's very kind of you to say. I, I, I don't think that I, uh, that I take any of those headlines away, but I'm really excited. I'm very happy to be back. Uh, the Moncton Magic organization, uh, and you included, of course, uh, and the fans, the players, uh, it was an easy decision for me to come back for a year or two. So I'm super excited about it, and thank you for saying so. It's, uh, I can't wait. I hate to wish time away, but uh, I'm also really looking forward to November. Okay, great. Well, listen, man, that sounds good, Scott. I appreciate it again, and, and I'm sure we'll uh, we'll talk again soon. Excellent, Coach. All the best. Make sure you get your shots. You got to get. A, is there like a slew of shots you got to get now before you go overseas? You know, I think my wife just mentioned that to me too. So that's something I got to look into here now that I'm, I'm back in town. So uh, <laughs> I'll be well taken care of. All right. Well, listen. Give my best uh, to your wonderful family, and until next time, Coach. Uh, take it easy, and we'll look forward to talking to you again soon. Okay, Scott. Thanks a lot. Bye for now. That's Coach Joe Salerno of the Moncton Magic. Oh my gosh, we had so much news to cover. We have been going for over 45 minutes, but what a great conversation it was. We certainly appreciate Coach Salerno joining us, and I hope that you've enjoyed getting up to speed on all of the latest news from the Moncton Magic. Make sure you bookmark the link for the homepage for the Magic Time Podcast. Until next time, friends, I'm Scott Squires, and remember, if you can't take part in sport, be a good one anyway. Bye for now.